Hello children and welcome to A Story at Bedtime. The tale you're going to hear this evening is another story from the wonderful dinosaurs of Dino Dell, written and narrated by Alice Goulding. Do enjoy and sleep well. Tracy the Triceratops discovers a triangle. Your teacher will tell you Pythagoras was a man who discovered everything about triangles. He was from ancient Greece and his most famous hypothesis states that for a right-angled triangle, the square of the hypotenuse is equal to the sum of the squares on the other two sides. But you don't need to worry about that, not until you study geometry. Tracy the Triceratops had never heard of geometry, but she did like counting. She walked from her house to visit her friend Dom the Demetrodon and counted to a hundred. Then they went to call on Trevor the Trilobite's home in an old log and Tracy kept muttering all the way. What did you say? asked Dom. I'm counting, said Tracy. They reached Trevor's log and she exclaimed excitedly, 100. 100 what? asked Dom. Steps from my house to your house and from your house to Trevor's log. Now I'm going to walk back to my house to count the number of steps because I like counting. Dom and Trevor followed on behind, but Trevor was rustling in the leaves until Dom said, I'll give you a ride, Trevor, or it'll be dark before we get there. They trudged on and eventually reached Tracy's house. 141. Well, that's odd, said Tracy. What's odd? asked Dom. Tracy took a stick and marked a cross in the dirt. This is my house. Then she measured a stick length and made another cross. That's your house. Then she set the stick at right angle and marked another stick length. Now look, if I draw a line that's exactly 100 steps to your house, then I draw another line that's 100 steps to Trevor's lock. But there are 141 steps to my house. That looks right because if we measure with the stick, it's more than a stick length. Look! Trevor and Dom were impressed with Tracy. She was right. What does it mean, squeaked Trevor? Tracy thought for a moment. Well, I'm called a triceratops because I have three horns on my nose. There are three angles in this shape, so I think I shall call it a triangle. So that's how Tracy the Triceratops discovered a triangle before Pythagoras did. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Story at Bedtime was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntingdon, Cambridgeshire. Hello children and welcome to Bedtime Story. The tale you're going to hear this evening is another story about Carlos the Cat and his friends, written by Graham Emmett and narrated by Uncle Roger. Enjoy and sleep well. A Cat with a Phobia of Mice Mrs Phipps looked out of the window to see four cats on the lawn. She recognised Carlos from the other week, but the ginger one was new to her. Then she looked more closely. Ah, I've seen you before in the papers and on the telly. You're Horace, the flying cat. Let's see if I have anything I can give them, she thought, and rummaged in the fridge, finding a piece of fish from a day ago to share, making a fuss of them when she put it down. That was very thoughtful of Mrs Phipps, said Horace. Larry piped up, she wouldn't normally do that. You're honoured. As you're here, you might be able to help a local feline two houses down. She's got an embarrassing phobia as a cat, a Persian grey. She's afraid of birds and mice, said Teddy sympathetically. 
She's even worse after hearing what happened to me, and I know what she needs, added Larry with a wicked smile. That's enough of that, Larry. What can we do to help her, fellas, said Teddy. Carlos and Horace thought about this. Larry would be the obvious choice to show her how, but in his present state it wasn't possible. Besides, Larry didn't have any time for her. It looks like this one's down to you, Horace. You know how good my mouse catching is. Most of them get away and I haven't caught a bird yet, suggested Carlos. The three of them trotted off two houses down to where Priscilla Ponsonby III lived. She was outside, curled up on a silk cushion in the shade of an umbrella she called a parasol. She even had a fancy collar. She's all right, really. I get on with her fine, said Teddy. I'll introduce you, which he did. Horace was quite taken by Priscilla, as was Carlos. It was the first time they'd seen an aristocat. Teddy was telling us you have an embarrassing phobia. When did it start? Horace asked. Oh, it was about a year ago. I was out here and two of them tried to bite my tail and my back legs. I had a job to shake them off. It was the same with the birds, big black ones. How big were these mice and what were their tails like? Oh, they were big, half the length of my tail. Theirs had no fur on them. Ah, they weren't mice, they were rats. Nasty creatures, rats, hunting packs, no fear. As to the birds, they were crows. Come with me and I'll show you what mice look like and how to catch them. Carlos, you'd better go back with Teddy, as I know he doesn't like this sort of thing. Carlos went off with Teddy and Horace showed Priscilla what a mouse was and how to catch them before returning to Teddy's house. Horace said to Carlos before he set off back to the farm, I've enjoyed my day doing a good deed and there's another reason to come more often. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Story at Bedtime was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntingdon, Cambridgeshire. Hello and welcome to Children's Bedtime Story. It's Wednesday where we hear all about the orange dog named Jaffa. Written by Jackie Richmond and narrated by me, Sue Rodwell-Smith. Let's see what Jaffa is up to this evening, shall we? Enjoy and sleep well. The one with the waggly tail How much is that doggy in the window? I do hope that dog is for sale Louis goes on adventures with Jaffa and Leo. What Louis lost in his eyes, as he has a sight problem, he found with his nose. His nose was to become his eyes too, as he never missed out on anything that was being given. He was first in line, and of course Mum made sure he got his first, as she got wise to me getting the biscuits. Mum never rearranged any furniture, so Louis would always know where he was, and also where his boundaries were. During his first years, Louis learned so much and never looked back in what he could do and achieve. We all knew when it was time to go for a walk, as Louis would always nick Mum's walking socks every time she attempted to put them on. Considering he had a sight issue, he always knew where Mum's socks were. 
Not only did he learn to walk off lead, Louis also learned to swim at the young age of 12 weeks. One day, we were all in the park near the lake. Louis fell off the end of the jetty, straight into the lake. Without any hesitation, he just swam around the edge and then got out of the water. It was incredible to see, as he was so brave and also a very good swimmer. We all cheered when Louis got out of the water. That was it. Louis was a swimmer and loved the water, never to be out of it except in the winter. Whenever and wherever there was water, Louis was in it, as we were all to find out. I would have the old paddle unless it was really hot, but we both had to make sure we were well out of Leo's range. Louis would say to me, come on in Jaffa, and I would answer, I will, but I don't want to be splashed. Too late, they got me straight on the head. My fur was all messed up now, and what do I look like? Little did I know that Louis was to help me when I fell into the water on one of our walks. With Louis walking off the lead at the age of six months, which was the same age as me, he was able to find his own way around the park or wherever else we would go. He would always mark out his boundaries and keep within them. Louis used to say to me it was glorious being off the lead. We could feel the wind in our faces with our ears flapping up and down as we run down the hill. Louis was with me the day I fell into the water. Yes, me! I was so afraid. Louis then appeared and was standing at the edge of the embankment. I was then afraid that Louis would fall in too, so I told him to get Mum and Dad to pull me out, which they did. He was pleased to see me, but not half as much as I was pleased to see them. I was soaked and my big feet were squishing as I walked, but at least we were all safe again. Lessons learnt, don't muck about near the water's edge. This never deterred us from going swimming. Me and Louis would always race to see who would be first to the lakes. No point trying to race with Leo, as he was far too big and always won. With a huge grin for both of us. Once at the lakes, we would have a nice swim, or me, a paddle, and then continue the rest of our walk. What glorious summers we would all have together. Sometimes Louis would digress and go to the wrong way. But once his name was called, or I would bark, he would come back on track and follow again as he had such a cute sense of hearing too. This was fine until Louis sadly went deaf in his older years. But then Mum would follow him and turn him to come back on the straight and narrow. We were never too far away from one another. He achieved so much in his life, even with his sight problem. His sight problem was not to be his main problem, as we were sadly about to find out. I feel I'm getting a little tired and may need to have a dog nap. I hope you enjoyed my story. Until the next time, good night, children. That dog in the window, the one with the waggly tail. How much is that dog in the window? I do hope that dog is... Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Children's Bedtime Story was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntington, Cambridgeshire. Hello children and welcome to A Story at Bedtime. This evening's story is all about Dorothea. It was written by John Mountford and is narrated by Julie Stark and me, Sue Rodwell-Smith.
Dorothea has magic powers when she wears a particular pair of jeans. What do you think she's up to this evening? Let's see, shall we? Enjoy! and the bicycle. Dorothy is just the same as every other little girl. Well, almost. You see, she's just the same as you or your sister until she changes into her... Wait, here she is now. She can tell you herself. Hello, everyone. I'm Dorothea. Dorothea, tell the children about your genes. Do you think they'll really want to know? Oh, yes, I'm sure they will. Well, it's like this. When I'm on my way to school, nothing fun happens at all. The teacher talks non-stop all day, and then it's time to leave. Hooray! But when I get back home again, I change into my jeans, and then... Jeans, jeans are my lovely jeans. Now I can chatter with machines. Can you really, Dorothea? Don't you believe me? I'm wearing my jeans now, so come for a walk with me and see. Dorothea didn't fancy walking today. She's gone for a bicycle ride instead over the park. Come on, Dorothea. Can't we go any faster? I feel all wobbly when I go this slowly. The bicycle can talk to Dorothea and, because she's wearing her jeans, Dorothea can understand what it says. Cheeky bicycle. I'm puffed out. I can't pedal any harder. Well, you can stop wobbling then. It's not me who's wobbling. You keep joggling me when we go over the bumps in the ground. You wobbled first. You joggled first. Didn't. Did. Dorothea and her bicycle are having a very silly argument. But arguing is great fun and they are really enjoying it. Did not so. Did so. Stop ringing my bell. I didn't ring your bell. You did. Didn't. Did. Didn't. I can't ring my own bell. I'm a bicycle. There. You did it again. Not me. I told you bicycles can't ring their own bells. Ah. Ah. Oh dear. Another bicycle has crashed into Dorothea. Sorry. My brakes failed. I did ring my bell, but you wouldn't get out of the way. I've bruised my knee. I've bent my mudguard. Terribly sorry. Oh, look, my bell smashed to pieces. I was ringing it, you know. How did you ring it? I thought bicycles couldn't ring their own bells. Oh, that's true for most bicycles. Most bicycles are ordinary, but I'm special. I'm a Pedalion 700B with a built-in sat-nav and bell ringing capability. I'm designed especially to avoid collisions. Well, why did you hit us then? Look at my knee. And my mudguard. Yes, but what about my bell? It's broken. Good. I'm glad your bell is broken. If your brakes worked properly, you wouldn't need a bell. And if you got a sat nav, you could have steered around us. Sorry about that. 
It's because I'm a Pedalion 700B. We are built for speed in a straight line. My steering isn't so good. But a bell ringing? We're tops. I would say your bell ringing is just annoying. And your steering is rubbish. My wheel won't go round. It's rubbing on my bug guard. My leg won't go round. My knee hurts when I try and pedal. How will we get home from the park? The park? Oh no! My sat-nav says I'm at the shops. That means it must be broken. Oh no! Oh no! No, no! How will I get home without a sat-nav? You could always ring your bell for help. Oh no! You can't, can you? <laughs> Never mind. I shall ring the bell on my bicycle. Then a policeman will come and help us. Good idea, Dorothea. That's the end of this story. We'll come back and see what Dorothea is doing another day for another adventure. by Sue Rodwell Smith, Children's Bedtime Story was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntington, Cambridgeshire. Hello and welcome to Friday's Bedtime Story. Here is another story about the chimps Milo and his sister Macy and all the inhabitants of Magnolia Avenue. Written by Becca Cook and narrated by me, Sue Rodwell Smith. Do enjoy The Magical Swimming Lesson Milo the monkey and his sister Maisie were packing their swim bags ready for today's lesson. Milo could already swim quite well, but Maisie was still learning and felt nervous. Maisie, you will be brilliant. Just believe and say, I can do it, encouraged Milo. Maisie looked at herself in the mirror and said out loud, I can do it. Mother Flo was making packed lunches containing banana sandwiches, avocado salad and some chocolate as a treat. Flo ensured they ate healthily with small treats allowed. Their father, Jared, collected the swim bags and climbed down the treehouse to where Diva the hippo was sunning herself. Beautiful day for a trip out, beamed Diva, as Jared secured the bags onto Diva's saddle. Milo, Macy and Flo swung down from the treehouse and they all climbed into their seats. Flo checked seatbelts and summer hats were on, then Diva set off towards the river basin. The early morning forest was alive with the chirping of birds, croaking of frogs, the howling of monkeys and a distant trumpet of elephants. Blue butterflies danced by and flashes of red, yellow and green painted the sky as birds flew in between the trees. As Diva waddled up to the river basin, dolphins could be seen playing, taking high jumping spins out of the water and clicking in delight. Donna and Dottie, the dolphins, waved their fins at Milo and Macy, excited for the swimming lesson to begin. The rainforest river basin was their favourite pool. The water was quite shallow and safe to swim in. Milo and Macy changed into their swimming costumes and entered the crystal clear waters. Donna and Dottie dolphins swam either side of Macy, acting as floats as she rested her arms upon them. Macy kicked her legs behind her and began to glide through the water. 
Meanwhile, Trickster the dolphin, who was the most talented performer, took Milo out into the slightly deeper waters to teach him to dive. Now, practice breathing, Macy, out through your mouth and in through your nose, encouraged Donna Dolphin. Macy followed the instructions and felt more relaxed. Next, Macy needed to learn some arm strokes. Milo the Trickster Dolphin demonstrated. Trickster swam underneath Milo, ready to raise him out of the water if he got into difficulty. Milo let his body float on the water's surface face down, stretching his arms out in front of him. Keeping his head out of the water, Milo began to kick his legs behind him. He then pulled his left arm backwards, his body cutting through the water. As his arm reached his body, he pulled his right arm back and at the same time outstretched his left arm. Each arm worked in opposite strokes, moving him forwards through the water. Milo was swimming. This was called the doggy paddle, a great stroke for beginners. Flo and Jared cheered, You can do it, Macy! Donna swam underneath Macy while Dotty Dolphin began to tailwalk in front of her, giving the instructions. Macy was determined to swim and began to copy Milo's doggy paddle. The first couple of times, Macy's head went underwater and Donna lifted her up onto her back. Macy took a deep breath and tried again. This time Macy was grinning. She was really swimming. It was magical swimming alongside the dolphins who glided through the water beside her. Suddenly, there was a loud thud and a large spray of water covered Flo and Gerard. Ah, much better said Diva, who had waddled into the water and sat down to cool herself from the midday sun. Flo and Jared both looked at each other. They were dripping wet. Everyone began to laugh as Diva sat, eyes closed, soaking up the sun, unaware of what had happened. Oh, could someone pass me a fruit smoothie? called out Diva. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Children's Bedtime Story was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntington, Cambridgeshire. Hello and welcome to Children's Corner. You are about to hear another children's poem from Jumping Jaws' Julie Stevens. Do enjoy. Leave it to wind. Wind came through my window. Took a while to lock it in. Thought I'd use its brushes and sweepers to clean up this mess. I grinned. Tidy my bedroom. It sucked up the dust and dirt, blew my teddies into a box, whirled my books on top of a shelf like a shepherd gathering his flocks. And in alphabetical order, Mum decided to join the fun, tugged it to the kitchen downstairs, where it swirled the pots in our kitchen sink with bubbles as big as Mars. Might even wash our car. Trouble came, wind used too much puff, finishing my homework on houses. 
It exhaled words too big for my book, sending them straight down Dad's best trousers. Think I'm in trouble. Time to depart, I blustered to wind. Think you've blown your last huff. I'll see you again when the weather decides. Right now you're getting far too rough. I'm not scared, really. Wind's face was an earthquake shaking. Hired a bulldozer to drag it outside. Thought it would blast my family away. But it howled and howled and howled. Miss you too, Wind. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Children's Corner was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntingdon, Cambridgeshire.